Welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Harless. And I'm your other host, Natalie. This is the podcast where we talk all about the fiction stories of Magic the Gathering. We break it down for you into easy to consume episodes, and we throw our own flavor text in along the way. We are in the heart of season four, which follows the story of the magic set, March of the Machine. Tons has happened so far in the main story, and we have covered a side story too, just last episode, when we returned to Strixhaven and found out how the mage students and Professor Vess were handling the invasion of their school. And today is another special occasion. We are venturing into another side story of March of the Machine, delving into the plain of Ixalan in this episode titled 300 Steps Under the Sun, written by Miguel Lopez. And if I'm correct, we have not talked about Ixalan on this podcast yet. Yeah, no, I don't think you and I have, Harless. This is very exciting then, because that means that we are traveling to the plane of dinosaurs. Join us as we head into the multiverse. Ixalan is such a cool plane. I mean, they all are, don't get me wrong. And they're all so unique. But Ixalan, I don't know, there's something really cool about Ixalan for me. Maybe it's because I was obsessed with dinosaurs as a kid. Were you? Oh, yeah. When I was seven, I wanted to be a paleontologist and everything. I even invented my own dinosaur species and wrote stories about them when I was really young. Oh my gosh, that's so you, Natalie. And then, you know, I grew up and decided to major in literature instead. But I think my imagination about dinosaurs was more fascinating to me than the actual science. Although I super do appreciate the science too. Well, I can totally see why Ixalan would be right up your alley then. So for everyone getting caught up or needing a refresher for what's happened so far in the season, Natalie, you mind doing a brief recap for us? So the major events that have happened in season four so far is we have Elish Norn the mother of machines, who has sent her Phyrexian invasion across the multiverse. She is wielding a twisted mockery of the world tree called Realm Breaker to basically invade every plane across the multiverse, essentially. And we have been to many realms so far, such as Nukapenna, Kaldheim, Kaladesh, New Phyrexia, Dominaria. And just last episode, we were in Arcavios, where we were in Strixhaven's School of Mages. And every plane we have ventured to so far, we see that the Phyrexians are winning, like overwhelmingly so. But we know the forces of the multiverse are strong too. I haven't quite lost faith yet in this war. Neither have I. So like Natalie mentioned earlier, this episode takes place on Ixalan. We are in the heart of the Phyrexian invasion, which means Phyrexians have invaded this plane in addition to all the others we've seen so far. Now, Ixalan itself is a jungle. There are huge swaths of forest and all types of colorful creatures here. Most significantly, though, dinosaurs live here alongside humans. And humans refer to dinosaurs as Quetzalcoatl. Our main character we'll be following this episode is Huatli, a human planeswalker from Ixalan. You can see most often kind of decked out in colorful feathered armor, wielding a spear or like a fan-like fist weapon. Dark brown hair pulled back into a braid, and, you know, riding a dinosaur because she can control them. She is a warrior of the Sun Empire, and she is often referred to as the warrior poet, a renowned and respected fighter, even by the emperor himself. Okay, and I just have to say the title warrior poet 
you all know at this point, I majored in poetry. I'm a huge poetry fan. And how does one get this title? Like that is the coolest title, Warrior Poet. It sounds so juxtaposed, but with Huatli, it really makes sense. So the beginning of the episode takes place in the now, which we learn later is actually after a few of the events that had happened prior that we're about to find out. Huatli stands atop the winged temple of Orozca, one of the prized cities of the Sun Empire, and observes the crimson sky and mechanical vines of the Phyrexian invasion underway. Everywhere is ash and burning. It is quoted that the only light on the entire plain was the fire. The jungles of Ixalan had been rotted from the inside and exploded with fire. And Huatli is waiting for someone or something. It's clear she is full of anxiety, wondering whether her soldiers had held or whether everyone she knew was dead. And that's all we get before we rewind in time to see what led up to this moment. Hours before this moment, we are inside the Wing Temple with Huatli. She is caring for her meager band of surviving soldiers inside the temple, hands covered in blood. Booms echo from outside the temple doors, fluttering debris onto the group. Clearly something bad is going on outside, and the barricade won't last. But for now, they are hiding out here relatively safe. Beside Huatli is Inti, her cousin. We should go, he says to her. Inti is not in good shape. He's been banged up pretty bad from a battle that happened before this moment, one we haven't seen yet, but he's still mobile. And the same could not be said for some of the rest of the outfit here. So obviously a battle had happened. These are all that's left. Watley mentions that it is maybe a hundred soldiers here in the temple. Inti hands Watley her helmet, the helm of the warrior poet. And Watley remarks that Inti is missing his own helmet, to which Inti replies that his helmet is embedded into some Phyrexian he had taken down earlier. We'll sure get through this, Inti said to her. You'll speak this story to the Empire when the sun rises. And to speak to Huatli's personality here, her teasing response to her cousin is, find a helmet. I think you got hit in the head too hard. We find out here that they are trying to hold out until dawn, which is only a few hours away, with constant shaking and booming coming from outside. Huatli's soldiers are here with a small auxiliary force led by a character named Mavrin Fane. I should note here that Mavrin is a vampire, as is his whole auxiliary force. It's an interesting alliance. They are friends for now, but vampires, you know, they don't do well in sunlight and they're fighting alongside warriors of the Sun Empire who literally exude light from their armor. Like you said, though, Harless, Mavrin and Huatli are allies, but it's tense between them. He clearly still respects Watley as his commander, but I think they can get under each other's skin. Mavrin makes a comment here that his preferred type of poet is the silent one, and Watley just threatens her spear at him. The hostility dies quickly, though. Mavrin asks what they should do, and Watley says nothing for now. It is revealed here that being trapped inside this temple was actually part of Watley's original plan. They had set up a trap for the Phyrexians, luring them here. Watley, Mavrin... Inti, and the rest of this small coalition of soldiers are bait. Obviously, Malvern is worried that this trap Huatli set will also cost them, not just the Phyrexians, but they hold out and wait as she orders. And from here, we rewind in time a little bit further, days before this moment with Malvern in the temple, holding out against the Phyrexians. The invasion came to Ixalan, presaged by subtle warnings, ignored by the great powers contesting the old continent, reads the story. In short, 
When the Phyrexians invaded Ixalan, Ixalan was already at war with itself. And we've seen this before, right? Dominaria was at war with itself when the Phyrexian invasion started. Life yeah. goes on regardless of a multiverse war. The conquest for glory for the Sun Empire was well underway, even with the Phyrexians at their doorstep. And here's another quote from the story. The sky split open one humid morning off the sun coast, revealing a hideous, colossal metal branch of Realm Breaker, the invasion tree, plunging down from a hurricane eye, red as a wound. The Phyrexians came to Ixalan and ended the Emperor's War in its cradle. In its place was a greater terror. The threefold sun set and did not rise again, obscured by clouds as dark as ink, and hope's darkest hour fell throttled on the sands of Ixalan's once golden shores. So we transition to a war council of the Sun Empire. Huatli is present here, of course, as there are several other seasoned commanders and the emperor. They are discussing how the Phyrexians had overwhelmed them, laying siege to their capital city of Pachatupa. There's a table in front of them with all the pieces of the war laid out, and Huatli describes a ring of white stones around Pachatupa symbolic of the Phyrexians that surrounded them. Watley had been leading the defense for days leading up to this point, holding the Phyrexians off, but barely. The city was cut off from its critical resources, and all of them knew they couldn't hold out much longer. They were low on soldiers and food and water, all the while their surrounding plain burned. This was not a war. It was a collapse seeking its end point. During this war council, Huatli is fiercely missing her partner, Sahili. Oh yes, that Sahili. Sahili is Huatli's partner, and they began their relationship before the War of the Spark when Huatli first planeswalked to Kaladesh, which was where they met. And I don't blame Huatli for thinking of Sahili in this moment. I think everyone here is wondering if they will ever see their loved ones again, or even live long enough to see tomorrow. The Phyrexian invasion tends to do that. And Sahili, as we know, is far away on Kaladesh. I mean, Huatli can only hope that Sahili is safe, right? I mean, Huatli is clearly taking the defense of her home plane seriously, but this must be hard, not knowing Sahili's fate. Here's a quote from the story. Hope was precious now, and cruel. Its absence was not a void, but a dagger. Sun above, Huatli wanted to sleep. She missed Sahili like she missed the daylight. The emperor shows signs of immense stress, too. He's not in the best mood, to put it lightly. Everybody at the table he seems to get frustrated with when they don't have a plan, waiting for orders. When the emperor turns to Watley, though, his tone is remarkably different. He clearly respects her voice above all others. And here, when the emperor seeks Watley's voice, is when she lays out her plan. She and a small band of trusted warriors will retake the city of Arazka which had been reduced to cinders in the days before. Lure the Phyrexians away, which would open up farmlands and smaller cities the Phyrexians don't care about. And I love this because Huatli is smart. She says something that is so true of the Phyrexians, and we've seen this, we've grown to know this over the time that we've been talking about the Phyrexians on this podcast. She says, these invaders don't want life, they want power. And you'll love this part, Natalie. Huatli's plan is to call the Elder Dinosaurs to Arazka. This will draw the main body of Phyrexians away from Pachatupa. We know they seek great power, so we'll show them great power. 
they'll flock to it like flies to droppings, which should lessen their numbers here, allowing you to break Pachatupa's encirclement. It's an incredibly smart strategy. Like, she knows the Phyrexians would go after Huatli and the others to Arazka because it's Huatli, a planeswalker, and Arazka, a city, and elder dinosaurs. I mean, it's smart. All glory for Phyrexia, right? They couldn't resist going after Huatli, the planeswalker, and all of these elder dinosaurs. They're going to be drawn to it, like, inherently. It's such a cool strategy. And luckily, the emperor agrees. And we know Huatli is right here because we saw Phyrexia, we saw Elishnorn herself give orders to her evangels to go and seek out powerful things on each plane. For instance, the very gods of Theros, right? So we know they're going after what's really powerful here. So now we fast forward a bit in time to Huatli, her cousin Inti, Mavrin the vampire, and their loyal auxiliary force in Orozca. They have successfully snuck out of Pachatupa and have distracted the Phyrexians with a small auxiliary force in Orozca. Huatli feels incredibly guilty about using some of her forces as bait, where they will inevitably be killed or completed. But ultimately, she is a commander and cannot get too distracted by the grief. And while the Phyrexians are distracted, the rest of them sneak into the city of Orozca. In this moment, Huatli once again fiercely misses Sahili. I quote for you. She wanted to walk alongside this river with her love. She wanted to sit with her on the coast, in the white sand. She wanted to stand with her in the heart of the jungle's green, anywhere, under Ixley's setting light, and kiss her. Instead, cannon reports in the distance, a bloated body in the river, floating slowly with the current, pale, a vampire stalking behind her. While Huatli is despondent about the fate of her soldiers falling to Phyrexians, Mavrin says his paladin vampires are actually grateful for the opportunity for martyrdom, to which Huatli just tightly responds, I have no plans to die, no desire for glory. I do what I do for the people of the empire. Mavrin asks Huatli here for a bargain. In exchange for Mavrin's vampirical paladin forces helping out in this endeavor, they will have earned freedom. And long story short here is that Mavrin, until recently, had been imprisoned by the Sun Empire and was still partially in servitude to them. And so are the rest of his paladins. So this is not like a bunch of vampires being um, kind or friendly. This is them saying like, okay, cool. Like, this is better than sitting in a jail cell, right? Which I think is more in line with vampire behavior. So I just wanted to clarify that. Definitely more vampire. Now, in response, Huatli hesitates on this and asks her cousin Inti for his thoughts. And Inti says, I would kill them right here, but we can use their swords until the invaders take care of them for us. And ultimately, he leaves it to Huatli to make the decision. Huatli takes the political approach, claiming, we'll discuss what happens after, after. Um, is she sure Mavrin is going to like that ambiguity? Probably not, but regardless, he nods and they carry forward. They make it to Arazka, heading for the Winged Temple and scouts report the Phyrexians indeed still follow them. They're close. Huatli knows that aid is coming to them, but they have to make it into the safety of the Winged Temple first. They ride their Quetzalcoatl through the empty, quiet boulevards of this abandoned city of Arazka. They're almost to the temple when, and this is from the story, a red flash lit the sky. A roar split the waterfall chorus, shattering the soft rumbling that blanketed the city. It was a terrible sound. Not the natural bellow of a Quetzalcoatl, but something greater than sound. Huatli stumbled. 
ducking for cover along with the rest of her soldiers as they looked to the sky, in awe at the web of red lightning spreading across the boiling clouds. For the long moment of the roar, they were not a company of veteran lancers, but terrified animals. Humans humbled by the presence of a god. So what just happened here is that the elder dinosaur Itali appeared. An enormous Spinosaurus-like creature, just a monolith the size of a mountain. I'm going to quote for you here. He was huge, a creature magnitudes larger than the largest monstrosaur or dreadmaw. To be in his proximity was to crouch under an ancient king, to witness a mountain of teeth and scale walking, roaring, triumphant. Staring at his silhouette was difficult, the eye forced to capture an image one could barely hold. And Itali is phyrexianized. Okay. I just wrote no <laughs> on my notes here because, oh my goodness, like the way that Atali is described is so amazing. I love that. Staring at his silhouette was difficult. The eye forced to capture an image one could barely hold. So once again, the Phyrexians have gotten to one of the most powerful things they could have possibly gotten to on this plane. And it is really heartbreaking. Yeah. So I'm just going to read to you from this moment in the story because it is absolutely bone chilling. Ink black clouds belched from Atali's core. His lungs turned to engines that spat thunderheads from between his ribs. Red lightning rippled up the elder dinosaur's shining metal spine, pulsing with a heartbeat rhythm, increasing its cadence as Atali reared back to roar, building to a flash that blanketed the plain in a crimson day. His roar forced Huatli's company to their knees, hands over their ears, their own screams drowned out by Atali's cry. And I just, like, this um, gave me a flashback to one time my house was hit by lightning, and outside it that lightning strike was so close to my house that when I looked outside because I saw it happen it was like noon the light was like noon right I could see the bark on the tree in my yard I could see the blades of grass in my yard it was that bright and that's what's happening here so like this flash of lightning so bright that it turns the whole sky into day I mean this is just so powerful okay continuing on Atali was the storm the Phyrexians had turned the elder dinosaur, twisting this embodiment of Ixalan to their own hideous purpose. Huatli knelt, palms on the cold, gold-plated street. There was nothing beyond this fear. The ridge upon which Atali stood boiled with movement. More Phyrexians, ground troops, and greater horrors dwarfed by the size of the elder dinosaur they now commanded. And there's this art piece of Itali from the set. The card is called Itali Primal Sickness, and the art is by Ryan Pancoast, and it captures this creature so well. It is all bone and metal and blades with lightning and storm clouds all around it, and it really is just shiver-inducing. And, you know, you know me, I love how cool Phyrexians look, but this one, just terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. To behold such a terror, Huatli's forces flee for the temple and just absolute terror, their Quetzalcoatl having thrashed them off and fled themselves. Huatli, Inti, Mavrin, they make it, with about a hundred others, and barricade themselves behind the temple doors. And they hide here, realizing the Phyrexians and that terrifying elder dinosaur cannot seem to find their way inside. But Huatli still holds out hope for her plan. She still needs to call upon the rest of the elder dinosaurs. What if they are turned, Inti asks. 
To which Huatli responds, then Ixalan is lost. The coalition inside the winged temple prepares to defend Huatli outside while she calls upon the elder dinosaurs to help them. And before dawn, they move to the 300 steps outside the temple and prepare for the Phyrexian onslaught that will meet them. And I'm going to read this from the story because I think it's a really great description of Ixalan. It just kind of explains what Ixalan is about, I think. There were 300 steps beyond the archway at the winged temple's middle to the recitation chamber at its summit. A sacred number. 100 steps for each aspect of the threefold sun. There were an uncounted number before, a number without order or meaning, to represent the plane without order or meaning before the grace of the threefold sun. 300 steps between now and fate. And this is also from the story. Red lightning cracked across the sky, illuminating the swirling, writhing mass of flesh and machine that writhed around the temple's base. Orozka's dark streets were choked with Phyrexians, the turret, who moved in hordes that flowed like slow water, and the pure who walked above them with their alien silhouettes taking the shape of demons, nightmares, and weapons. In ones and twos, they started up the lowest steps of the temple, taking notice of the soldiers arranged at its midpoint. A flood followed. Mechanized Quetzkama, trumpeting and bellowing to the smaller things that scuttled around and atop them, lumbered up the steps. Ranks of the wretched turned, marched in tight columns behind, ordered despite their disordered uniforms and weapons. Among them, the elegant copper-colored beasts from elsewhere strode on long, insectile legs, multitudinous faces blinking and screaming and bellowing, facets on hideous, iridescent carapaces. Beyond, in the dark distance, towering Phyrexian monstrosities lumbered through their city, their humanoid silhouettes a mockery of humanity. Near and far, there was only doom. So TLDR, things are not looking good for Huatli and the others. And I can only think of Inti's warning earlier that if the elder dinosaurs have turned, Ixalan is lost, and Huatli and the others with her will be the first to meet its end. Now they're on the brink of being destroyed by the Phyrexian onslaught. This is it. Everything for Ixalan depends on this one moment, for Huatli to be able to succeed and for the elder dinosaurs to heed her call for aid. So before we see what happens here on the 300 steps of the Winged Temple, we're taken back in time, weeks before the invasion even begun. But Huatli knew it was coming. She had heard so herself from Sahili. She and Sahili are together in the pre-dawn, talking to one another in soft tones, relishing in these last moments before both of them knew war with the Phyrexians would descend on them. I imagine these were probably the last moments Huatli had of peace before returning to Ixalan. And Sahili asks Watli a poetic question. Why fight what you cannot defeat? It's a simple question, Sahili said. I know we must. I don't want to die. I don't want you to die. But there is a small part of me that wants to just... Give up? Rest, Sahili said. I don't want to give in. I just want to stop fighting. Let it end, because then it will be done. The fear, the pain, the worry... It feels like we're trying to stop the end of everything, the end of our planes, the multiverse, everything. I fear we can't, and then we'll die, and something terrible will take our place. And Huatli, well, she's known as the warrior poet for no odd reason. She is a storyteller, recalling and making legends. 
So from here, she tells Sahili the story of the warrior poet who came before her. This warrior poet lived in a village outside of Pachatupa, and when the Sun Empire came to it, this empire's warriors killed her family in their conquest. The warrior poet, the survivor of this event, joined the empire's ranks instead of succumbing to her grief and lived a long life of glory and revenge. Huatli says here that another conquest has come, where both she and Sahili face the similar mighty threat the former warrior poet did. Our duty is to live through it, she says. To daily reject despair and, should we die, take the heart of our killer with us. We can't stop this. We can only live through it. I'm going to actually read from a moment in the story that's a little bit out of time here because I want to make a point. First, I'm going to read this to you. He clutched a spear. Bandages wrapped his forearms. He was, but for his voice, indistinguishable from the other living soldiers on the line. Sun, empire, or legion, they were all streaked in ash and sweat, wrapped in ragged bandages, exhausted. And I just feel like this is such a beautiful moment because it's really calling back to Brothers War, right? Remember when we talked about how it doesn't matter which uniform you're wearing. All that matters is survival, is making it out alive. And that's really what Hawatli is saying here to Sahili. Yeah, it's an incredible moment that brings us back to the to the darkness and brutality of the Brothers War. I remember that episode in the in the trenches, right? It was the trench, yeah. it was the trench episode in season two. And where he punches through the wall of the trench, which is like you know, so rotted he can do that and pulls out a bone. I remember that. another soldier. Yeah. He says, what color, what color was his uniform? Right. And, and it doesn't matter. Distinguish it. You yeah. couldn't distinguish it. And that's yeah. exactly what Hawatli is saying here in a very poetic way as, as Hawatli right. does. As Hawatli does. Okay. So anyway, back to the story. Sahili remarks here that the story that Hawatli had just told her doesn't exactly inspire hope, which I agree. But I mean, to Hawatli's point, she is a poet and poetry isn't always hopeful. It's true. Poetry, often poetry reflects back to you the things that you don't want to see or don't want to hear. And yeah. I think that's what Hawatli is doing here. She's laying it out. She's laying it out exactly how it is. And she just continues to do so with the next part of the scene. I love you. I will never lie to you, Hawatli says to Sahili. And yet when Sahili asks if everything will be okay, Hawatli can't darken this last morning she would ever have with Sahili. And this is from the story. It was a lie to say that everything would be all right. But Sahili's eyes were wide and the morning warm, and this was the last moment for the two of them, the last moment before the end. Hawatli reached up to Sahili, ran her fingers through her hair, and pulled her close. They kissed forever. When they parted, Hawatli cupped Sahili's cheek, tears in her eyes. It's going to be all right, Watley said. Okay, tears, like legit tears, because she couldn't bear to, she yes. couldn't bear to Ugh. tell Sahili the truth. And she just had to give her this last consolation that it's going to be all right, even though Watley knows it's not going to be. It's just, yeah, tears. Yeah, no, like I, I'm literally crying right now. <laughs> okay. So now we're back to that moment before the winged temple, when Huatli has a swarm of Phyrexians before her, doom on the horizon, and her only hope is to call on the elder dinosaurs. Her small coalition will have to hold off the Phyrexians, just a hundred against countless Phyrexians, by the way. Death is very probable. 
All around them, a hurricane raged. Rain and hail pelted down from the sky. The sun diminished by inky clouds, red lightning fissuring the sky. But despite all this, Huatli began to climb to the altar atop the temple as Enti, Mavrin, and the others held off the Phyrexian forces rushing in. And when she reached it, she closed her eyes and began to speak. She spoke to the hurricane, to death, to all calamity, to the dawn. There was no answer. She then stepped away from the altar to face the calamity surging towards them, Itali's might towering over them all, each one of her comrades fighting valiantly through the end. But then, shafts of light pierced through the clouds, so bright that Huatli winced and raised her hand to cover her eyes. The elder dinosaurs had come, led by Satalpa, elder of the dawn. It was a great winged dinosaur, as large as Atali, and her fury pierced the storm, slamming into the body of Atali. A wave of other creatures of Ixalan, dinosaurs wild to this land, of all shapes and sizes, come flooding into the city after that, leaping at the Phyrexian invaders. More elder dinosaurs joined Zatalpa. Nezahal, Tetsamok, Galta, they all appeared in their monolithic forms, rivaling Atali, leaping to protect Oraska. Fury met with fury. The elders and the creatures of Ixalan met with the Phyrexian forces like two titanic collisions. And I just want to say here that this was a battle of monolithic dinosaurs of the most epic proportions, and it was freaking awesome. Okay, we can carry on now. Okay, but there's one elder missing, Zakama, who Watley feared the worst that the greatest of the elder dinosaurs, Zakama, had turned. They had not appeared at her call. And this was when the battle reached a stalemate. They had the elder dinosaurs fighting, but the Phyrexians were innumerable. They poured against the elders like a tidal wave, beginning to overwhelm even the elders. Atali was vicious, fighting back against the other elders. In this chaos, Hawatli looks to her comrades, searching for her cousin Inti on the steps of the temple. She manages to find him, but he's wounded. Many more have fallen, but Mavrin is still alive. The Phyrexians were slowly retreating, but the casualties were vast. Black oil dripped everywhere, and Atali was shredded by the elder dinosaur's might. And then... A great shape moved in the dark streets of Araska below. A mighty form so large that Huatli at first thought the earth itself was heaving up, as if an earthquake was shifting a mountain. The Phyrexian forces streaming down the temple shuddered in response, the front ranks hurrying to stop and change direction while the middle and rear pressed on, not yet seeing the danger before them. Zakama, the final and greatest of the elders, loomed up from the shadows, her three heads bellowing a tritonal roar. The front ranks of the Phyrexian army disintegrated, metal flaring bright as daylight as the titanic sound washed over them, rolling up the flanks of the winged temple like a wave crashing upon the shore. Huatli called for her company to dive to the ground. They did, and a heartbeat later, the wall of heat that followed the sound of the roar blasted through the gate. Okay, can I just say I had goosebumps on my arms while you were reading that? That is... It's epic! It is an epic moment. So It's so epic! Zakama, the mighty elder, rushed into the scene, tackling Atali head-on, breathing heat. Her three heads tore him apart ending the turned Atali. The other elders cried out too and chased the Phyrexians into a retreat. As Zakama screeched her victory into the sky, the heat broke the storm clouds, streaming in sunlight, 
and the dawn finally broke. The dark curtain of smoke, ash, and raging red hurricane had been torn and pierced. The sun was breaking through. Orozka welcomed the morning light, and the city shone gold through the oil. Dawn had arrived. The day, though not yet one, was here. But I think the most powerful line at the end of this episode was from Huatli, when she turned and relayed gratitude to the great elder dragon Zakama, she was overcome with this warm feeling, a true warmth in her heart, and she thought, I did not lie to her. As in, she didn't lie to Sahili. Everything was going to be all right. <laughs> I know, it's, um, it's so beautiful, like, the way that a person can be your reason for being able to push through and for Huatli in the story that was Sahili, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sahili kept coming back to her. And it it just I love that that one line, I did not lie to her, because it was clear that to Huatli she was going to be able to see Sahili again. It it was that it was that yeah. revelation that she might just get through this. And it's just, oh it was it was that moment that we needed after so much death and like just destruction that the Phyrexians brought like the the scene earlier before the elder dinosaurs came I thought they were done for and I think Huatli thought so too and it, it just the the light the dawn at the end of this episode was so badly needed it just for me I was like I, I was in kind of in tears just just out of relief that there was some light at the end of all this but I think the most powerful line at the end of this episode was from Huatli when she turned and relayed gratitude to the great elder dinosaur Zakama. She was overcome with this warm feeling, a true warmth in her heart, and thought, I did not lie to her. As in, she didn't lie to Sahili. Right? Maybe Sahili can, this brilliant Sahili, the brilliant artificer, can find some way to get out of this too. And so it's not just hope for Ixalan, it's hope for her personal entire future, which is so huge because when you break war down, it is individual people that are impacted. And seeing her be able to get through this because of her love for Sahili, seeing her be able to press through and, and have this ending that feels like so hopeful was really beautiful to see. So we have seen the effects of the war reach across the multiverse. We have started to see hope and light return to some, but we still have much of the epic finale of the Phyrexian invasion still to resolve. What happened to Elspeth and our other planeswalkers, Chandra, Ren, and we still have the mother of machines, Elish Norn, to contest with. Stay tuned in our future episodes to find out what happens next. If you want to read this story and more for yourself, you can always do that at mtgstory.com. We hope you liked today's episode, 300 Steps Under the Sun by Miguel Lopez. And if you did, do us a huge favor and give us a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can listen to us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and more. We'll see you next time. But until then, have, have a magical, magical day. day.